want you to tell all your friends about me. Suck in the guts, guys. We're the Ghostbusters. I am the one who knocks. My dark passenger. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Don't call me Junior. I certainly hope this little incident hasn't put you off five, miss. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Welcome everyone to Talking Geek, episode two. I'm Danny. And I'm Heidi. So, this episode is, unlike our first episode, this episode we're going to jump right in and start talking about the, the games and the comics and the movies that we've been Watching and playing over the last couple of weeks over Christmas break. Yep. So first thing to start off with is in movies, we went and saw Django Unchained. Yeah, we we saw that a few days. It wasn't right in opening day on Christmas Day, but it was a few days later. We saw it. It was still like the 26th or 27th. Yeah, it's pretty recent after it But the out. theater wasn't too packed, which was pretty nice. Yeah, actually. Well, but we saw the last matinee. It was like five... 40 or something. Yeah, just before 6 o'clock. Yeah. So that might also be a contributing factor for why it wasn't too busy. But that, that Django Unchained was a movie I was really looking forward to. Yeah, I was too. And you know, I'd, I'd seen the trailer once, and after seeing it once, I knew it was something that I wanted to watch. And so I put myself in a little bit of a bubble after that and didn't want to see anything else. Because mm-hmm. I didn't want to form too many preconceived notions or opinions about it other than knowing that it was something I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. And I try to do that with every film. Um, actually, a lot of times I don't see trailers for movies because I don't generally seek them out. I'll be watching them more frequently so that we can discuss them here on the podcast, but usually I I don't seek out trailers for things unless it's something I'm really, really interested in. Yeah, and usually I can't help myself. If there's a movie that looks cool or sounds cool, I check it out. Definitely a Tarantino movie. I'm going to check out that trailer yeah, for I sure. Yeah, I mean, that reminds me of when the Man of Steel trailer came out. It was supposed to be playing before The Hobbit, and you were really excited you considered not watching it beforehand because we didn't see The Hobbit on opening day. And I encourage you to just watch it on our computer instead. And I'm glad I did because it actually didn't end up playing at our screening. So. No, no. It, and it, it's supposed to be, it was supposed to be playing nationwide in theaters, but theaters are also able to veto or select what what trailers mm-hmm. they play. And so they it didn't end up playing. I think you might have mentioned that in the last podcast where yeah. you ranted on The Hobbit for <laughs> a good 25 we, minutes we or so. We did rant on The Hobbit. I think maybe we're a little bit more harsh than a lot of other critics are or were towards The Hobbit. Mm, I still... Part of that might be because we are fans of the book. Of the book well, the I still series. stick by it. I am not looking forward to seeing it next year at all. I'm not taking back anything. I think I'm looking forward to it a little bit more than you are since you're not looking forward to it at all. I want to see the series through. I want to see the second and third installments. As I want to see the end of the story. And what I am excited for is the journey. is the the battle of the five armies, which probably is going to be if I I get I bet it's the bulk of the third movie. Is, yeah, that's what I. Would I bet assume. the fi- I bet the second movie is going to be all about smog. Yep. Um, smog and Bilbo and their their little game. Yeah, yeah, yep. and then so that only leaves I think the battle for the left plus whatever supplemental. Mm-hmm. Which is 
Oh, yeah. I'm sure they're yeah. going to do some more building towards... I mean, they've already started building towards what, the events of Lord of the Rings in the first movie, so you can only imagine that's going to continue to build yeah. and increase in tension towards the third movie. But it's doing pretty well. Yep. I mean, speaking of doing well, the surprising thing, I don't really want to talk about it because we didn't see it. I wasn't looking forward to it. But I saw that um, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D yeah. opened this weekend and opened number one. It, it, Did it really? It, it, I, that it, surprises me. It beat Django me. and it beat um, Hobbit. That's really surprising considering, number one, it's a scary movie, which typically they don't open that high. And number two, if they do open that it open high. It's in the fall, Halloween time well, when people are kind of in the mood for that. It sort didn't of movie. open real high. Well, I guess relative for January, maybe it was. I think it was. It was high for a horror movie. It wasn't high for anything else. I think I mm-hmm. saw it was twenty seven. Yeah, but which is enough to beat Django and Hobbit, which have both been out for a couple of weeks now. Hobbit's not surprising, but I would have thought Django would have been able to take it down. I mean, I haven't heard any reviews about it. I wasn't interested in it, so I haven't really heard anything about mm-hmm. it, but I was just kind of surprised when I read that today. Yeah, so if we get back to back on track to talking about Django, <laughs> um, I, I really enjoyed the film a lot. I enjoyed the plot. Um, There's a few points that you know could have maybe stood to have a little bit more editing, but at the same time I, I really enjoyed all the characters. I think that Leonardo DiCaprio's character was great in the film. Um, just enough character to be yeah, but interesting, but not too over the top. You don't even meet him for about halfway. I think right. for me, the standout aspect of the movie was Christopher Waltz's German character. Absolutely. I forget the name of the character in the movie, but it, he's played by Christopher Waltz, which I haven't even seen him in much. He's he's the main antagonist in uh, Tarantino's in, uh, Inglorious Bastards, the yeah. the German. But he in this movie he plays a very Sympathetic and very fun and lighthearted, but also also badass, pro- progressive badass for the time. Yeah, he he just he's and socially progressive for the time. That was such a good role, and he played it so well. I was surprised. I didn't come into that movie expecting that character because you because you get a glimpse of him in mm-hmm. the trailer. You see that he's the one who buys Django. Yeah, he's not the title character though, so you don't expect the type of plot moving. Uh, role that he has. Oh, and I, and I guess we should say it goes well. It's spoilers, it's, spoilers, yeah. Spoilers. It doesn't go without saying, but spoilers for everything. Spoilers for movies, comics, video games. We don't have much TV talk today. Maybe a little bit. Yeah, we're not holding back. So if you haven't seen it, sorry if we've already spoiled it for you. Yeah, this is. But just know that this is an all spoiler podcast. It's just me and you sitting down and have a conversation about our hobbies. So yep. we're definitely gonna spoil. So you know, having seen his performance. In Django Unchained, I remember actually when we left the film, I thought, what else has he been in? Where can I get some more? Because I, I really like this performance. Where can I get some more? Christopher Waltz. <laughs> Not in that way. <laughs> but, yeah, the only thing that, I'm really, that I really know is is um, is Inglourious Batchers. I mean, a quick IMDb would let us know other stuff. But yeah. his character was fantastic. When he, when he dies about 80% of the way through the movie, I, the movie, I felt like the movie instantly lost something really great. I actually didn't care that Leonardo DiCaprio's character died at that moment, too. No, But when, when... What was his name? I don't remember his name in the movie, but when when his character died, it, it just lost a, the, an air of fun. He was, he was like, the fun character. And, yeah, I mean, the, mo- the movie kind of had... Sophisticated. He was, yeah. And, it, and the movie kind of had, like, an ebb and flow to it where there would be periods of high action and violence, and then it would kind of slow down and go into maybe a comedic 
trough or something like that. And so I feel like after his death, we were in a little bit of a lull in the movie until Django essentially breaks free and, and wreaks havoc on everybody and, and, and gets his revenge. Yeah. So, you know, part of that, I think, is just the movie going through its natural flow of decreasing the the tension and the craziness for a little bit before the grand finale, which is ridiculous, but yeah, awesome. I mean, it, it's a typical, it's a typical, uh, Tarantino movie with the blood flying. I mean, it's, it's like the crazy 88 battle from Kill Bill the mm-hmm. whole time. I mean, well, not quite to that extent, but the last the 10 blood minutes flying, the, the amount of blood that happens in the, <laughs> the fight at Leonardo DiCaprio's house after Leonardo DiCaprio dies. Mm-hmm. And like the, the, shootout. the cabinets are just like, the walls are just caked with blood. It's just yeah. fly like, it, but it, it's really fun to watch. There's there's a fantastic shot when the sister is getting back. Oh, um, at the very end of the at movie. the very end of the movie, the sister and and the head Leonardo DiCaprio's sister. Yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio's who I, sister. Who they had and a pretty cre- kind of a creepy relationship. I, they did. There's a little I, bit of I'm I w- not sure going on. I was there. like, I was waiting around to see if Leonardo if if he slipped her to the tongue. I I thought there might be that too. There's a little bit too much love between brother and sister, but anyway, there's this great shot where they're coming back from the funeral and they walk into the house and it's just like you can see all the dried blood on the walls and you know it's been a day or two since this shootout but the remnants of the massacre that went on the house is just disgusting and i could only imagine if that were real how bad it would smell now i really like jamie fox's performance too i he never disappoints me i really like pretty much all the movies i've I've ever seen jamie fox and i i i think he's a fantastic actor yeah and with the exception of you never saw it but a horrible movie called stealth no about what maybe 10 years ago now but he was fantastic in ray which i believe you haven't seen jessica biel was in stealth such a bad i just remember that movie being so bad but but he's he's good in everything and he was great in this yep um he just brings an air of i don't know i said badass about christopher waltz's character but but Django More really, so for Django. Django really is just a no-holds-barred, like... Yeah. I'm going to get what I want, he could, no matter what it takes He could be a lunatic. I think uh, Christopher Waltz's character kind of holds him back. Christopher teaches, Waltz's teaches him character... How to be, teaches him how to get ahead when in, in the white a, man's world. Sort of like a, a, a civilized savage. Indeed. In a way, I, I think is a good way to put it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I completely agree. Especially in terms of... You know, taking a slave and showing him what it's like to be free, but that also be in control of a situation. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about the first half of Django is that we don't actually see who Django is as a person other than through flashbacks because he's being instructed to play a role, a couple of different roles, actually. So it takes a while for us to actually see who Django is, and I don't think we really even get that till the end. But speaking of the first half of the movie, I would have loved for... I, the movie went well when it veered off into the Leonardo DiCaprio character because there was sort of the first half of the movie where they're being bounty hunters together mm-hmm. and, and Jamie really Foxx is learning to be a bounty hunter. And then it goes into the save save the wife plot and it sort of mm-hmm. switches. And it's still great, but I would have loved to see the rest of the movie, just them being bounty hunters, taking people out. I would like that as a spinoff movie, you but, know, as a... a a sort of wouldn't really be a prequel it'd be an in movie um 
experience, I guess, because it wouldn't happen before, because it would have to be, like, in between the events of this and this and Django Unchained. Mm-hmm. But I think it would be really interesting, because there's, there's a whole section where they say, okay, they actually give you text, kind of like like what you see in the beginning of Star Wars or whatever. They give you text in the middle of the movie that says, this amount of time passed, and this yeah. is what they did. Turn that into a movie. Yeah, I would that'd love be, that. I would, I would like it, too. I'd like it, too. And I the entire sequence, when they go to the farm to get those three brothers, or the three... I don't think they were brothers, were they? I'm not sure. They but, called them brothers. I don't know if they really yeah, truly were but that brothers, entire sequence, brothers, but... from when they get to that plantation all the way up through the end with the lynch mob, I thought was great. The The, the lynch mob scene was pretty funny. The whole yeah, the whole thing yeah. about the, the holes the and, the, <laughs> and the white mass, that yep. was... It was really funny. It reminded me of... I've heard criticism on... I forget where, but I heard criticism that that scene just went on way too long. I have to completely yep. disagree. I think it was Slash Film that said it. Oh yeah, yeah, the, that the, it was, the it was Slash Film podcast. Too long. But it went. On, I have to disagree. They, it sort of, it was in that realm of it goes on too long and then it stops being funny, but then it keeps going on so long that it, it turns it funny, funny again. again. Yeah, it's like the Simpsons sideshow Bob just hitting those rakes the whole time. He just it goes on for. Yep. It's they they really use funny. that humor a lot, too. In Jonah Hill is in that scene. I didn't even know he was going to be in this movie. No, I didn't either. Did you? Mm-mm. No, me neither. His, yeah, that... It was a brief, uh, almost a cameo, essentially. It wasn't for very long, but his character was funny. And then you see them get all the get what's coming to them with 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 Django and Christopher Walls hiding up in the tree. Yeah, that entire sequence was great. I agree that I'd like to see a whole movie just based just on that. Yeah. So, anything else about the movie? I actually, I really liked the cinematography. I thought that was yep. that was great, particularly in the more the first half of the movie. I know there was a lot of really good imagery of them riding along at sunset mm-hmm. and silhouetted, and all the stuff at at um, Leonardo DiCaprio's house was 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 done well. But that's sort of part of the movie that I liked. I liked the whole movie as a whole. I loved it, mm-hmm. but it was that section that i thought it dragged on a bit there's a really long dinner scene that there is yep goes on yeah and i I think there's another scene after the big shootout when Django's tied up that i think could have been shortened up a little bit but one of my impressions is just the craziness of the violence and i i think it even turns things up a notch from kill bill a little bit i mean sword play versus gunplay are different the way they're shot anyway but he didn't shoot it like a typical Western shootout. I mean, I think that they did some unique things with with guys coming in through windows and Django hiding underneath a, um, an armoire to try and shoot people from there. And Django, Django using a body as as a shield. I, was, I thought all was, of that was pretty unique. Was I, I liked well, that a lot. It reminded me. I I've, I know I've seen a lot more westerns than you have. It reminded me of just. A typical Western shootout, just taken to another level. I mean, mm-hmm. guys going through windows—that's a staple of Westerns. Yeah, it, but it is. But I just thought Tarantino it was done. His, I thought it was done very artfully. Oh yeah, it was. It was done really well. Yeah. I don't know if I had to say which one's more violent. The, Kill Bill is more over the top violent, I think, because this movie's set in—I mean, Kill Bill's set in our world as well, but. This movie's set in our past, and it brings up a lot of. It's in a time it where that brings sort up of a lot of cult, cultural relevancy. Acceptable, and you can't watch this movie without being without being reminded of all of the race issues that we have in our country, and mm-hmm. th- all that stems because th- that's undercurrent. Not not even undercurrent. It's just it's a main theme throughout mm-hmm. the movie the entire time. I know there's been a lot of controversy about 
how uh, Tarantino's use of the N word throughout the movie because it's it's like it's 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 like the F word in Scarface. It's all over the mm-hmm. movie, but I I wasn't around then. But it brings an I feel like it brings a more of an air of authenticity because right. I watched this movie and I imagine I, I bet this is this is how these white slave owners actually spoke to these to the to the all the African Americans that were right. I mean, I have heard criticism or read criticism that the depiction of slavery in this movie is not accurate. I don't know. Like what part? I I don't know. That's I I think it's the the um, way the house uh, slaves are treated in the candy house. Maybe perhaps treated a little bit better than some of the other slaves. I don't know. I'm not sure, oh. but I have heard criticisms, or at least I've heard comparisons of the way slavery slavery is portrayed in Django compared to the way slavery is portrayed in Lincoln. I haven't seen Lincoln, so I can't no, make that comparison. I, neither one of us. But I've, have. I've heard that Lincoln is is the better portrayal of slavery. Oh. But it's doing. Yeah. I mean, Lincoln. The purpose of Lincoln is a lot different, and its goals as a film are a lot different than. But I have no. Django. I have no intention to see Lincoln. I'm not intrigued by it. The only thing that intrigues me is that it's a Spielberg movie. But mm-hmm. that's not enough to. I wasn't intrigued by the trailers. It's not enough. To, I mean, neither were you. No, I wasn't. So. So I mean, the only thing that intrigues me now is is the good reviews that it actually is getting. But. It's, what's kind of crazy is I was thinking about this during the movie, during Django, is that I can't think of another movie or another piece of fiction or nonfiction that I've read that gave me, as you know, somebody who was raised or born in the 80s, raised through the 80s and 90s, a better representation, whether or not it's completely accurate, of just how shitty things were for blacks in that time period. Because I really felt like this is a shitty place to be in this is a shitty country yeah and it's there's it's it's no wonder that it's there's been such hardships on on them for so long i mean yeah i i can't only... recall having watched many movies that have slavery really depicted in them i haven't seen like uncle tom's cabin or yeah but anything, i mean any, i mean even reading anything or, I, or like it's anything just, I mean, about I've, uh like the you learn underground about it, railroad and whatnot you learn you learn about it from history but i feel like this is one of the really good de- well, I, I mean, I can't say how accurate it is, but I felt as though, from my understanding, that this was a pretty, a pretty decent representation, or or at well, least they at least show you a lot of violence towards slaves. And so, if that's accurate, then I mean, it really is showing us how crappy of a time it yeah, was. Yeah, I mean, if, if it's done accurately, I mean, I guess I can't say whether it's accurate, but I know just watching it, it's the it's the thing that I've seen that really drives home just how shitty of a time it was and how badly they were treated. Right. Nothing else that I've seen has, and I mean, that has to do with the violence and Tarantino's violence. And, but I mean, and I'm, part of that could just be my, my ignorance towards, mm-hmm. towards works, works from that area yeah. or works. Depending. And that's, what's interesting too about Samuel L. Jackson's character, because he essentially acts as the white man in a black man's body. Well, there is a there is like a stereotypical name for I think it's an Uncle Tom. I don't know. There's like a, a name mm-hmm. for an older black person who's who's there is like a, a stereotypical name for that type of a character. I'm not sure. Yeah, it was it was an interesting character. I think they could have done more with him. He was actually in the film more than I thought he, he would was, be. He was. It wasn't really. He was a bigger character. I actually, than I, thought and he I, would be. I had no idea that he was going to be in that movie. And nope, I didn't either. What I and I think I I was listening to like I think Slash Film again, and they mentioned he was in the trailer, so I don't know how I missed him. Yeah, I don't and then also him. I've seen him in other promotional materials since the movie, 
since seeing the movie, so I don't know how I completely just missed it. I was reading a magazine. I, uh, yeah, I was reading a magazine subscription, and he, and there it is. So mm-hmm. I don't know how I missed that. That was that he was in there, but he, he that was a interesting character, and you just feel like. You feel hatred towards that character even more so than Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio. I mean, Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio was born into this. He was. You, it doesn't justify his behavior, but right. But that was the way he was raised, and that's what he knew. And then, although I mean, I guess you can say the same for Samuel L. Jackson's character, like to get by, to to survive after seeing all these other black men throughout the movie get brutally murdered by dogs or have to fight each other to the death he's been able to survive to old age doing right. what he's doing what he's doing so i guess you can understand well you that. question how he treats his fellow black man and but women. i dislike his character even more than leonardo dicaprio's character yeah, me too so, so that guess, was django unchanged uh it's definitely about... a recommended movie from danny and heidi yeah yeah <laughs> if we have any credibility we like the movie at least and then so the other thing i want to talk about was since 2013 just started, it's January 7th today when when I'm recording, so it's only been the new year for a week. We thought we'd go over a few of our favorite movies from last year. I know a lot of critics are big on top ten lists, but I wanted to keep it shorter for us. I think top five or so. Mm-hmm. So what you got? Well, I, these are not in any particular order. This is just how I wrote things down. I don't really want to rank them because they're just... They're different from one another, so I'm, I'm not ranking them in any way. It's just my list. Um, I have The Avengers. I think it was a, a great movie. It was a super surprise. I went in expecting to like it because I'm a fan of Marvel in general. I've liked all the know. other Marvel movies. I've liked all the other Marvel movies, Captain America, Thor, Iron Man, one. I liked two, but maybe not as much as one. So I, I went into it wanting to like it, and it blew me away. It It's also on my list, and it was fantastic it was leagues better than i thought it was going to be i thought it was going to be decent Mm -hmm. but i didn't think it was going to be nearly as good as it was yeah i mean they did a great job of bringing all these big superstar characters together showing them interact i think my favorite interaction was between the hulk and iron man i mean that was just really not the hulk and iron man more it was their everyday personas tony stark and Bruce oh, Banner. Oh, yeah, yeah, the interaction between... I mean, they had such great banter. Yeah. And, and Tony Stark kind of egging Bruce on to try and get him to turn into the Hulk. Yeah, that was great. It was great. I mean, the, the movie's not without its flaws. There's a lot of criticism, and I, I tend to agree with it, about the um, Jeremy Runner's character, Hawkeye, not really playing much of a, a, a significant role. Yeah. Being kind of a throwaway I character. I haven't actually heard that much criticism, but I'd have to argue that a little bit. I mean, yeah, his character's a little thin, but something's got to get when you have this many characters i mean yeah that's that's why you'd almost recommend not like why put him in the film well who's gonna play that role though or did he, he was it a necessary role it's kind of what i questioned it was an inter i an interesting turn of hero becomes a villain yeah then, I, I mean that's know. that's classic hawkeye really i mean he's he's been a villain and been a hero on both sides of the Marvel Universe anyway, so I guess they're maybe just portraying that a little bit. And There's been criticism about the Black Widow, and she has no powers, what was her role in the film, but I mean, I think that's clear with discussions that she has when she's talking to Loki, 
So I liked having having the Black Widow in the film. Yeah, I liked her too. Plus, I mean, plus, come on, Scarlett Johansson's hot. Right? On a mon- <laughs> on a on a bunch of different levels, I liked her characters. On um, just adding some sexiness to an almost all male cast mm-hmm. is great. I think I have no problem. Just because I would have liked to have seen the Wasp in it, though. I've always, I mean, I'm a DC guy, so I've always had. A non-powered superhero on my um, on my teams. I mean, Batman is a non-powered superhero, well, so I'm, so is Iron Man. Yeah, yeah, that's just. But I mean, I don't. And so I mean, I'm just arguing with the criticism that yeah, what does Black Widow bring? I she just brings something different. I know there's always yeah, there's always I liked having her on the team. Yeah, so. I feel like there's always women who are on the teams who. I don't know. I'm trying to. Th- now I'm blanking. Not just women. I mean, Spider Woman has yeah. power. She's well. Been there's on a couple the of DC before. characters that blanked in my mind, but then they were there for like a second. Now I can't think of their names or anything. But I feel like, Batgirl? yeah, I'm, huh? Like a Batgirl. Or... Yeah, but I was thinking more of a uh, of of like Black Canary. But she, or... yeah, she Black Black Canary has powers. She mm-hmm. well, sometimes she's written as though she does. Sometimes she's not. Black Canary's got sometimes. Or is it Zatanna? No, is it? Uh, well, yeah. Z- uh, Zatanna has um. She, she has powers. Though. She has she has magic. She's, yeah. She's, it's always funny. They always write her where um. She she says her incantations or her what she wants to happen backwards. So if she were to say, if she wanted like a candlestick to fly her head, she would say candlestick backwards. But it would be written. Or, written or, backwards. Or, the letters it would be, be written backwards. backwards. Like yeah. like she pronounces it, and so it's pronounced. Backwards. So she can pronounce words backwards. Yeah, and then <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I I liked the, the I really was surprised at how much I liked the the Tony Stark and Bruce Banner. Yeah, banter. me too. It was but it I was mean, great. I, I think a lot of it comes down to Robert Downey Jr. and uh, Mark Ruffalo. Yep. Everybody says that Mark Ruffalo was the right character, and for the long for a while right before the, the movie part. came out, I was I liked continuity throughout the movie, so I was I was thinking that Edward Norton would have been great to come back if he would have mm-hmm. agreed to it. But seeing it, Ruffalo brought a different take to it, much different than yeah, Edward Norton brought. I, I but... really liked his his rendition of the Hulk and Bruce Banner. I but... thought he did a fantastic job. And another scene that I really liked a lot, it was brief, but I thought it worked really well, was the confrontation between, not confrontation, but the conversation between Loki and Thor on the mountaintop. Because I like it when... A big movie gets down and just has an emotional beat between two characters that have mm-hmm. a history together, and that's what you know. These are brothers, and you had the whole Thor movie, so yeah. you you have a good amount of backstory, and so that whole conversation probably could have been cut out from the movie, mm-hmm. but I'm but I'm glad they didn't. Yeah, I I liked it a lot too, and I hope we see some more of that in Thor two, and and get a little bit more of that brother on brother banter because mm-hmm. I thought it was great. I think. The two actors play off of each other really well. I mean, they're a great foil for one another. But, so, I mean, yeah. the action was good. The humor was there, which I think is is great. There was a good balance between the humor and the action, and it wasn't. It was better than what you the action and humor that you get in a Transformers. This was a little bit deeper than what you'd get in like a uh, Transformers movie. I, I thought it was better mm-hmm. than that. So definitely on the list. Um, next on my list is Chronicle. Which is another superhero-related movie. You'll find that a lot with the movies that we enjoy. Chronicles also on my list. I think it was higher on. I think you. We actually came out from watching, finished watching the film. I think you enjoyed it more than I did. I did think it was a little predictable, but when I look at it as a whole, I really enjoyed the journey that we go through with the characters. Now, this movie came out. We actually didn't even see it in the theater. It came out. 
it was last winter or it was January or February, maybe March, but it was mm-hmm. early in the year. I don't think we actually ended up seeing it till the summer. We watched it at home. Yeah. And I absolutely loved it from the get go. I thought it was great. It was I was uh, for about the first five minutes, it's a found footage movie, so about for the first five minutes, I don't know I'm always a little skeptical of found footage movies. But yeah, it's not really shot like a found footage movie, though. I mean, well, it's, it is because well, they're it carrying, isn't. It isn't. They're carrying the, the camera with them, but it's not shot like a Blair Witch or or a Paranormal Activity. Well, the, the camera moves with the with well the because they carried around with them. I mean, yeah. it's. I mean, you could say Blair Witch. The Blair Witch. They're carrying around with them too. They're just walking around the woods. This was able. To, they because they were able to get away with making it. It was a found footage movie that they could kind of cheat in ways because of their telekinesis. Right. They're able to, you know, hover the camera in midair, which you almost question, like, why would the characters do this? But they're chronicling it. And yeah, hence the name. And Yeah, I, I liked the journey that the characters went on from having discovered that they have these powers to learning to harness them, learning the things that they can do, having fun with it. I think that's realistic to what a couple of teenagers would do if yeah, they that flying. discovered they had powers. I mean, that's what I would do. That first I might, not, where they go I might flying. not fuck with people as much as they did, like in the yeah. in the toy store and stuff. Yeah. I could imagine boys doing that, but I don't know. It's I don't think it's something that I would do. Maybe play a joke on my friends, but But that first scene where they go flying through the clouds, that was awesome. And yeah. this movie was shot on an incredibly low budget, but it looks I think it looks great. I think it looks yeah. fantastic. Yeah, and I mean it, it, and it escalated so. Oh nicely. yeah, it got crazy at the end. It did. It, it was, but I mean, again, not outside of the realm of what I find believable. But there was some... if if I can buy into people getting powers like that, I could buy into this story having happened. Oh yeah, it was, it was a, it was such a well made and well. The, I thought the script was fantastic because my favorite parts of the movie, when I'm thinking back on it, are actually. Not my favorite parts are slower moments. They're not even the big action beats. I, mean, I agree. The, the flying through the clouds is well. You could say that's a big action beat. But then there's a pretty cool scene where the main character, who before he turns bad, essentially, he's trying to get people to like him. He's not the most popular kid, and so he does a magic. He he puts on like a magic show at a school function that they have, mm-hmm. and he's actually doing these tricks, but everybody thinks. It's the magic. Think he knows magic, but, I mean, but, but really, he's he's, he's, he's hovering <laughs> he's all the cards, and that was a pretty that was a really cool scene. And there's another scene where they're on him and one of the other guys are on a rooftop, and they're just using their telekinesis to float the camera around, and it's just floating all over the place. And it, even though it's found footage, I I thought that was a really really beautiful and well done scene that I had never. There's so many. It's so rare to see something you haven't seen before. And I thought that just the rooftop scene of them just hanging out, talking while the camera's floating around, and he's using a telekinesis was mm-hmm. just something that I hadn't seen before. And I thought it was, I thought that was great. Yeah, yeah. Overall, liked the film a lot. So definitely mm-hmm. recommend that one. Next on my list, I know this movie didn't make it to your list. I think you had it on your notable movies, and that's Looper. Yeah, yeah, it didn't didn't quite make my list, but it's not a not- my notable movies list. Looper kind of played out as almost two movies with a common link between them because the beginning of the movie and the end of the, the second, the first half and the second half of the movie are very different from one another. But I still enjoyed both halves of the movie. I could have stood to have a little bit more of the futuristic backstory half of the movie um, that we get in the beginning before. 
um, before the main character ends up in the in the barn area, mm-hmm. sort of out in the country. But even even so, I I still really enjoyed the movie a lot. I think it was unique and something different from a lot of these. We you know nowadays it seems like we get a lot of not so original content. We get a lot of remakes of movies. We get a lot of um, second and third you know sequels and and follow up stories and mm-hmm. building stories. To me, this is something that was truly unique and different, and it was a, a new perspective. At least for me, I thought it was a, a new perspective on time travel. Oh, I completely agree. Which I really liked. I, I, if you sit down and you think, try to think of the physics of it, okay, I'm sure there's issues. But if you just take the film for what it's presenting, I think it's really good and unique, and and I like the story a lot. Yeah, it was. I thought it was really good. It it almost made my list, but I think I like the two halves of the movie separately. I'm not sure. The more I think about it, how. The first half is so much different than the second half. The second half is much more is 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 much slower once they get to um mm-hmm. to Emily Blunt's uh farm. And even though both halves are great, I feel like they're almost two halves of not separate movies, but they they just totally feel different. Yeah, but yeah. and they're just not as tight as they I, could I, be. I had much more fun with the first half, but and there's a lot of interesting concepts and ideas in the second half dealing with dealing with the sun and that's something that i was actually really surprised and happy i'm always happy when i'm surprised yep. because nowadays trailers and marketing you always hear you always know the the plot twists or things ahead of time i had no idea about the second half. like essentially the trailers only depict the first half of the movie yep. the second half you have no idea what's, what's yeah there. i didn't see it coming either and i really liked it um you know, they, they did quite the makeup job on Joseph Gordon-Levitt to make him and Bruce Willis look similar. Yeah, I thought it was pretty decent. It took it, a little getting used to. It was to. pretty good. I, they could have gone without it, and I think it would have been just as good. Yeah, but. the problem is, is if they went with an unknown actor who they made look like Bruce Willis, but everybody knows what Joseph Gordon-Levitt looks like, and they didn't change his voice really, so I don't know. To me, the I, whole time... I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt, though, he, he changed his own voice a little bit and his mannerisms. I mean, he, to me, he the whole had the time, Bruce Willis smirk down pat. I think it would have worked... A lot better if they. I love Joseph Gordon-Levitt, so I'm glad that he was in it. But I think if they were going to go that route, I think it worked. It would have worked a lot better if they would have went with an unknown, I guess. Where, or just let him, or let Joseph where, Gordon-Levitt just look the way where he I looks. Could get, yeah, or just let. Yeah, I agree. Because either way, either just let Joseph Gordon-Levitt with no makeup, or yeah. with an unknown, I could have suspended belief more, more because I wouldn't. If it's somebody who I don't know what they look like, then I could. You know, just imagine yeah, that that's their face, him, and right. this per you know, just just going let it. You know his face, right? But but aside, that aside, I still really like this film a lot. You, even though it kind of played out as two half films, yeah, I was surprised I'd at how much you liked, liked it. it a lot. I did, I liked it a lot. You're usually more of the skeptic. I mean, just like we talked about last week with Oblivion, the Oblivion trailer. And... I just I liked the story of Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character a lot. I just. I don't know. I can't say I, I relate to it in any way. I, I just liked it a lot. So well, I I do think they could yeah, have done very, very few can relate to that story. <laughs> exactly. I think they could have done a little bit more with Jeff Bridges' character. I thought there was more to it than there ended up being. Maybe there were some things that got cut out of the film due to time. Um, I was kind of hoping that because I, I thought Jeff Bridges' character and I can't remember his name, but the other guy who always seems to be trying to please him. I thought they were one and the same person. Oh, yeah. I, and they I, I weren't. I thought that too. And I, but, that would have been an interesting twist that they would have Exactly. So it makes me wonder if there was a little bit more to the script that they just had to cut out. So either way, uh, I, I like Looper a lot. It's on my top five for the year. What else um, you got? I've got, of course, The Dark Knight. 
also on my list, our lists so far are very, very similar. Just I don't have, so far out of yours, I haven't had Looper. Mm-hmm. That was it. But so we're, There's a lot we can go with, with. The Dark Knight was... We already talked a little bit about it because it's a Blu-ray release. I mean, but... to, to summarize it quickly, I thought it was an epic movie. The music in it was fantastic. I don't think the movie would be nearly as good if it wasn't for the score. Because mm-hmm. it, it really adds to the the tone and the driving force and just the, the whole epic nature to it. Um, I also like the performances. I think that Bane was a little bit weak as a villain, but aside from that, it was I, I think it was a good wrap-up to the series, and I mm-hmm. liked our little sort of Easter egg Robin ending with Joseph Gordon-Levitt at the end of that. Mm-hmm. And the the aspects that p- make it on my list for 2012, and and also the more I think about it, I think it's becoming my top movie of the trilogy. While well, I don't think any performance is better than Heath Ledger's Joker. I think that's the standout mm-hmm. performance of all three movies. I think the stakes being higher, the stakes are just higher. There's more. That just and the movie just seems a little bit more epic. It's a little bit bigger. It's fuller. I think the story's yeah. stronger. If I had to vote for I mean, you know the, what the should whole win an award, scale of the movie has increased little by little mm-hmm. from taking a, a hospital hostage essentially in the second movie to taking the entire city of Gotham hostage. Mm-hmm. It's and, a much bigger scale. And you scale. just see those shots where they blow up the. The, the, the football stadium, obviously, but then that the, sequence is awesome. But the bridges, all the bridges around the city, I think, like I was, I was saying, if I had to pick a movie to win an award, what I recognize that I actually think Dark Knight is the better movie. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, I think time is gonna show that my preference when I just want to pull out a movie and watch it is going to lean towards The Dark Knight Rises. So yeah. that's why. It's, that's why it's also on my list. Yeah, and not only that, but it was a nice finale to wrap up how the Dark Knight Returns ended with Batman essentially going into the shadows and people thinking that he killed Harvey Dent with Harvey Dent becoming a martyr. I like that they were able to wrap up the story and show the true side of what happened to Harvey Dent and have Batman actually become idolized mm-hmm. in the eyes of the city with the statue unveiling at the end. I, I liked that a lot. Mm-hmm. And then the last movie on my list is Wreck-It Ralph. Oh, yeah. Yet another uh, gaming geeky pot, geeky movie. Of course, this is Talking Geek, so you can't expect anything less from us. An excellent movie. Uh, part of that's because I'm the gamer in me liked it, but... Really, it's just a good story. It's a fantastic story. It didn't make my list, but now I'm I'm thinking I'll go over what the fifth movie that's on my list that's not on yours. But this movie and the other movie, well, I mean, the other movie for me is Prometheus. I don't have to beat around the bush with it. Prometheus is the last movie yeah. that's on my list. Well, you have Django on, on your list. Django didn't make my list. Oh, yeah, I actually. guess. I guess just because yeah. we already talked about Django, I, I, I wasn't even going to talk about it. So, yeah, Django's on mine, but I've already said why, mm-hmm. all the reasons I liked it. But... Wreck-It Ralph, I'm I'm almost reconsidering whether or not that would beat out Prometheus. Prometheus has, I think, bigger ideas, but I mean, just your your problems is that they're not those ideas aren't taken to their to their yeah. endpoint. Don't but. get me wrong, Prometheus was a beautiful movie. The CGI work in Prometheus is fantastic. The set work is great. I really liked the look and the shots and the feel of the movie. I just think that plot wise, there's a lot of holes with respect to character motivations mm-hmm. and. It, 
normally those sorts of things I can get by when I watch a movie. Normally I, I don't think about it, but for some reason when I watch Prometheus, I just could not stop asking questions that never got answered. And I like really thought-provoking movies, and a lot of people have been... The the big criticism is that you you don't get the answers to to things, but I feel like you get good enough answers. But I don't. I feel like Prometheus has been talked about to death, so I don't really want to talk too much more yep. about it. I it made my list. But I could probably easily switch it out with Wreck It Ralph. And Wreck It Ralph is is the feel good movie. You want to sit down and have a. Yeah, uh, it's such, the world are just so fun, and especially yeah, with I mean, us it's, it's revisiting, a, we've we've been playing a lot more eight bit story games about recently, a bully who who and, learns to have a heart, mm-hmm. or but, maybe he's not truly a bully, but he thinks he's a bully. Well, that's his that's the I his mean, nature. He is like he learns that he is a bully, but that's his job, and that he doesn't have like yeah that he, I guess he, he can become more than that is what the movie's about. It's but, about going against your societally. Um, assigned norms, how people think you're supposed to behave, and going against that to be who you really are. Now, the the story works really well, and the the everything else that works for me wouldn't work without the story being there. But just being a fan of video games and video game history, this movie was just fun. It's it's fantastic that it had a great story because that gives that lasting appeal. But it was it was really fun for the first like why we've only seen it once at the theater but going through all the different worlds that they created for this movie the Wreck-It Ralph world and it just yeah they, the, they created the, some the new IP to, to that was really great the homage to the epic games and the characters and the little the little people in Wreck-It Ralph's world they move with that blocky 8-bit movement even though mm-hmm. Ralph and um Fix-It Felix don't they they are they move fluidly and smoothly but everybody else moves with that blocky 8-bit Mario yeah. From NES movement. Well, depending on the type of game, because the the characters that were coming from the more Halo esque game, well, yeah, yeah, are, yeah, have like a higher rendering and and have better ability to to move around in the world. I think part of the thing, which I think I wouldn't have an issue with a second time through, because I know what's going to happen, but part of the movie so, sort of once they hit Candyland, it sort of started to drag a little bit for me. And that was only nothing wrong with it. They were, it was a fan like the movie. The first act is essentially just just video game cameos going from world to world, and then you mm-hmm. actually get into the meat of the story, which is this like once you get to Candy, like it's not called Candyland, but whatever mm-hmm. that world's called, and it's it maintains its the quality. But I was just really looking, having so much fun going from video game to video game and hopping around and going through the hub that I wanted to get back to that. And so I kept kind of hoping, okay, well, let's, this is fun. To let's explore the let's, video game land exactly. more. Exactly. But now that I know that it doesn't, I think I could enjoy the the second the second act more. Yeah. Um, the world that they created in the candy racing game I thought was so rich. I really enjoyed just seeing what candies they had and what they were building with it and the different things that they were doing with it and the race cars. And I thought, man, I'd really like to play that game. I would have fun creating yeah, my own car, my own little racer, and, and actually racing in their speedway tracks that really looked like a lot of fun. They're crazy if they don't make the Fix It Felix or the Wreck It Ralph game. And uh, I would assume they, they um, would be the the cart racer from the Candyland world. And it's they, Sugar they, something, they, I think, is what it's Sugar called. Rush. Sugar, Sugar Rush. Sugar yeah. Rush is what the game's called. Yeah, but yeah, I thought it was great, and it made your list. So, mm-hmm. so what's it's up there? It's a it's a great movie. So I think we can move on. Those are our. Top favorite movies of 2012. Well, there's some other notable movies that we wanted to 
mention that were really good. Yep. So we'll just quickly go through these, say a couple mm-hmm. of things about each of them. But I'll, I'll start this one because a lot of people are like, really? You put that on your list? But I was really surprised by Magic Mike. You dragged me to it. <laughs> and I did. And I, I, I wanted to see it because I wanted, of, to, I wanted the beefcake aspect of it. All of the good reviews made it so you didn't have to drag that hard because I actually had heard great things about the movie, about how good it I mean, it's Steven Soderbergh. He doesn't make bad yeah. movies usually. So. It had that usual Soderbergh kind of yellowy shot to it yeah i don't know how well i don't know how much i actually liked that i feel like Mm -hmm. the 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 scenes in the dance club were those were more like a bluey purple yeah those were i thought the colors i've never been a fan really of that i don't know that like Mm -hmm. i've always feel like it's piss color all over the i think it works really well in aaron brockovich actually i haven't seen that that i think is a good movie and i think it works well in that movie magic mike i could have done without it but even so the the movie itself is really good it was surprisingly good Mm mm-hmm I, I completely agree. I mean, I guess it shouldn't be too surprising when it's Steven Soderbergh, but when it's a movie about male, male, uh, male review dancers, <laughs> you 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 don't go in expecting too much. And right. I think now, you oh, ladies out there, there's not a ton of male meat in the movie. There's there's a lot of there's in some, those dance. There's, like there's three or four dance sequences. There are, but it's not. Because it's it actually has some depth to it, it's not the girly, lighthearted, chick flick movie that you think it would be. It's not one, at all. In that one shot, in fact, you get it's the, pretty deep. It's pretty that, dark. In that one shot, when they're in the back backstage, you get like the the <laughs> hard penis right in the penis yeah. pump, right in the foreground of the shot. Giant penis, <laughs> and, and the movie theater or anything. So that thing is probably like six feet long. <laughs> but so the next movie that's on our list is um ted the, yeah this is the um the seth uh, mcfarland uh directorial debut uh, huge success for an r-rated comedy this year just very funny i think it would made more money than any other r-rated comedy i think it's number one on the list for grossing r-rated comedy at it was, least it opened better than any other r-rated comedy it was a very funny movie but i have to say it was no more no less than what i thought it was going to be i thought it was going to be funny i thought i was going to have seth MacFarlane's humor that's what yep. it had nothing more nothing less i think it was a little long eh. the, the ending was dragged out a little bit but i still enjoyed the movie i thought it was an okay length i'm actually looking forward to watching some of the unrated content and some of the extras on the blu-ray now, Savages is one that we had just watched um, New Year's Eve. We have a tradition every year. We hunker down, get a couple of movies that we want to watch that we, that we haven't seen yet, and then we and we have fondue. It's been something that we've done for about the last three or four years. So It's a feast. It's always something we look forward to. And we watched, this year we watched Killer Joe, which is Matthew McConaughey movie. It's pretty decent, so I'll give it a quick shout out. It's much better than Matthew McConaughey's normal work, but... Mm-hmm. It was a little bit disappointing for because I had heard a lot of good things. Although so. you don't see his abs in this movie. I think it's the first Matthew McConaughey where you don't see well, his, he's him playing, with his shirt off. Playing a serious role. But then you can just go watch Magic Mike. I'll say he's a psychopath. Yeah, he, that's right. He is in Magic Mike. <laughs> yes, but I'll say, I'll say this. Joe is a psychopath. Matthew McConaughey plays a incredible psychopath in that movie. And so check that out. But what I want to talk about was Savages. Because I wanted to give this... We wanted to give this movie some love. Because it actually hasn't gotten that much throughout... Mm throughout its uh the theatrical run it didn't make a ton but it was just the drug cartel movie but it's done different from other drug cartel movies See, i think. I don't even know if it was done... i liked it I, well yeah yeah that's why i said on the list i don't even know if it was done differently it just had it just had a style and substance that was just fun i think i hadn't seen it wasn't a fake great movie i not gonna even go down as as 
Oliver Stone's probably mm-hmm. is, as, as, as even his best works, but it was just fun. I hadn't seen a movie that was had that tone this year in a while where it was just that hard R but fun drug. How are they going to get out of this? How are they going to get gonna, yeah, gonna get it? Yeah, it was back? kind of your classic two screw ups get themselves in way over their head. It kind of and now they have to try and grow up a bit and figure out how the heck to get out of the situation. Kind of reminded me of like your your traffic or or whatever where there's every every part be it big or small is a is a is a significant part mm-hmm. every, uh, like John Travolta's in it yeah. that could have gone to anybody but it's it's a movie that's got tons of people Benicio del Toro it's actually the Some first Hayek. it's the first movie since the since um Wolverine X-Men Origins that I've seen Taylor Kitchen I know he was in John Carter, but I didn't see that, and he was in Battleship. Battleship. We didn't see that. We didn't see that, and don't want to see those either. But nope. I hadn't seen anything. I we didn't watch Friday Night Lights, so I hadn't seen him in anything since he played um uh who was it Gambit and hmm. like just a really really small part in that movie, and yeah. so that I can't even I couldn't even judge him from that. But he surprised me in Savages, and so did Aaron Johnston, who played the lead role in Kickass, was like the other like like the stoner dude yep. in, in Savages and. Yeah, I, I thought they both played their roles fantastically. And the one thing that I really liked about the movie is how it introduced the idea of savages and how it took that idea and built on it throughout the movie to finally wrap things up at the end. I I, I don't want to get into it too much, but I thought just thematically the idea of savages and what it meant in the beginning to, to what it means at the end of the film, I liked that a lot. I mean, other people might call it cheesy, but I thought it was done really well. I I thought it was okay. I thought the movie. I I don't know what I would have wanted. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm not a screenwriter, so it's not my job to know. But I know like it wrapped everything up in a nice little bow at the end. It kind of reminded me of the last shot in the town. Where I don't think it it's quite ended. so much a little bow though, it, because it, the the Blake Lively's character lets you know. Things did not end the way she would have ended them. They didn't yeah. end in your classic Shakespearean romance tragedy no, that's sort how, of way. They ended in a completely different no, way. No, I think that would have been the more unexpected realistic. way. No, they got, they got away and they're living a awesome, peaceful life in spoilers in in a tropical paradise. But they don't she doesn't think it's awesome or peaceful. Her preference would have been death. Well, that's her, though. So, I, think... I mean, that's what gets back to the whole meaning of savages. Yeah. So, yeah. good movie. I think we just ruined it for those of you who haven't seen well, it. But... Well, this is a spoiler podcast. It so is. We're going to spoil it. We're going to ruin it. We're supposed to ruin but everything. Go watch the movie, despite what we said. Well, it's supposed to be our review of our, yeah. our thoughts about the movies. But it's a good movie. But, yeah, I just have to go back to that. I just want to go back to that for a second. I think, like, I really did think it wrapped it up too nicely. It's like that unnecessary... Like, like I said, the unnecessary shot at the end of the town when uh, Ben Affleck is staring at the the lake that didn't need they could have ended oh, it the, yeah. the scene er, like the scene earlier. I think the sequence like I didn't want it to end with the um with them with kill, the protagonist. With, yeah, well, with them killing each other the way that you know it shows them yeah killing each other like uh su- their suicide that they all you want the together. the anti ending the anti romantic well, ending. You I, I guess the... I don't know what I wanted, but. The tragic to... ending. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be tragic. That that's why I can't even answer what I want because the ending wasn't bad. Just it just. Of course, it wrapped everything up with a nice bow. That's that's kind of what I got. I guess they try to give you the impression that to them it's not the bow that it's portrayed as. But anyway, I I still like the end. So and then I think you wanted to talk about Goon. 
Oh, well, we have a couple other movies on the list we'll get to in a minute. But I know I don't really have much to say about Goon. I thought it was serviceable. That's Goon, about all I got for Goon it. Goon surprised me. I'm a big hockey person. I, I really enjoy hockey. And this is a a different sort of role for, um, God, what's his name? Sean Williams. Sean Williams Scott. It was a different role for him. I'm used to seeing him in the American Pie movies and his crazy character in that. He plays a uh, uh, more of a heartfelt, misunderstood goon in Goon, just a, a hockey player. And I, I like the movie a lot. It surprised me. So that's why it's on my list. Is it the best movie in the world? No. But if you're a hockey fan, I, I definitely think it's worth a watch. Okay. So then I think a couple other movies. We got Lawless. That's the movie with Tom Hardy and Shia LaBeouf um, set in the 1920s with uh, in West Virginia, I believe. They're bootleggers. Moonshiners. Moonshiners and bootleggers are yeah, almost the same, same thing. thing. Like they're just they're just bootleggers who make their own. <laughs> make their own. Yeah. yeah. So they're, they're selling moonshine during a period of pro- prohibition. I thought it was a really f- um, fun movie. I mean, it ends sort of tragically. Although the, not quite. That movie almost well. That movie kind of suffers from wrapping it up in a nice little bow as well. A little bit, but, but it's ironically, based, it's but, based on a true story though. So they're they're going off of what happened in in, in real life to some extent. Their well, yeah, hands are tied to that. Filmmakers can choose when to end a movie, but. He, Tom Hardy's character goes through everything only to fall through ice. But, I mean, that's kind of the point is that it's how ironic it is that mm-hmm. he, they go through. Well, he thinks he's invincible, essentially. Oh, yeah. That, oh, that's right. He, like, gets, like, his neck almost chopped off and yeah. he survives throughout the whole movie. That, so, the movie was different than I expected it because when I watched the trailer, I expected it to be more of a gangster squad type movie oh, where people were that's... selling their selling their moonshine and and more gangsters more shoot 'em up and it's it's not like that. I mean the the whole middle of the film is pretty slow moving, slow paced mm-hmm. actually as they're making their moonshine and they're having almost a mental battle with this this new town um Sheriff, I guess, is what he was, who came in from Chicago, who's the slimiest, greaseballiest. Oh, yeah, who was that? That was, uh, what's his face? Antagonist you could ever ask for. Oh, what which, is... fantastic job. Oh, uh, shoot. The Memento guy. Uh... Yeah, I can't remember. I'm bad with, with names. Ah, oh, it's gonna come to me later, but, but yeah, it, I actually... It, it it actually was what I thought it was going to be tonally. I thought yeah, not not at all what I thought it was going to be. I still enjoyed I it. I thought the trailers portrayed it, pretty, and that's why I wanted to see it because just how I'm not intrigued by Gangster Squad, and I was by the by this. So. Yeah, I I have to admit I I don't want to be intrigued by Gangster Squad. I don't think it offers anything new from any Dick Tracy gangster type movie that I've seen before. But for some reason, I still want to see it. It also has a. Another um, movie that we've already mentioned, it's got, um, I, I can't remember his name, but the 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 main protagonist slash antagonist in Chronicle is in Lawless, and mm-hmm. he's, he's actually really, if you think he's a small part, then it turns out to be very important what what happens later on to his character, and he, he that movie, even more so than Chronicle, made, made, plays me, cricket. made me like that actor. That's right, Cricket. I don't remember his real name, but, what is, I don't remember, but. That that actor, I think, is an up and coming actor that I'm gonna be watching what he does very yeah, closely. Yeah, isn't he? Isn't he rumored to be in? Oh gosh, I thought he was rumored to he, be in in the JLA uh, movie or something. No, I he thought. got. I'm. I think he. 
no, I could be wrong. I think he was either rumored for or even got the role of Harry Osborne. In yes, new... that's what it is. He was rumored for. I don't know if he did get it but, or not, but you're right. It was in the, in the the sequel to Spider-Man. That's what it was. I knew it was something comic book related. But that actor is somebody who, I wanna, who I'm going to be watching. He's just like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I think he could be a small actor who does smaller roles and then... It just does breaks out. Does yeah, 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 yeah. And then the thing about him that I like is he doesn't he doesn't have your classic look of your typical handsome actor. He's no Shia LaBeouf, you know. I mean, that's why he was playing the role that he did. He doesn't play the good-looking, charming, handsome man. He plays the other part, mm-hmm. the the foil to that part, and I like that. And then the last movie we were we wanted to mention was Safety Not Guaranteed. It's a very fun. Small indie flick that's got what's it Mark Mark Duplass from the League. It was he also produced it, and it's got Audrey Plazzi. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Is that her name? The chick from Parks and Rec. Plaza or Plazzi, something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it. P L A Z A. I think is how. Audrey Plaza. I think. Yep. But yeah, we like that movie. It yeah, was... I I really like Audrey Plaza in it. And it... she she played as she plays actually a similar character to. The, to April in in Parks and Recreation, although she gives it a lot more depth than she gives April in Parks and Recreation. Mm-hmm. She really brought a lot to the film. And Mark Duplass is pretty good in it, too, actually. But, they, yeah. they have a lot of chemistry on screen. It didn't make much money. I don't think it, was, it had a very big, wide release, but I have heard nothing but good from it yeah. critically, and we loved it as well. And it's yeah. got... It's, it's a fun little drama comedy. It's not really... Drama comedy it's sci-fi. Not, it's not super funny... But it's not super drama. It's a good cross between yeah. the two. With sci-fi elements. And, it, and it's different. Like it's I, about... What it's about is... Um, it's, is about a guy who is looking for a time travel companion. And a newspaper group who thinks he's a crock and set out to interview him to see what's going on. And you learn that maybe he's not such a crock. And it goes from there and relationships build. And mm-hmm. there's funny side plots with the other newspaper characters. But it's a good movie. Yep. So, so I think that, that you want to move on to comics. Yeah, I think that wraps up movies for 2012. Future episode, we'll talk about what we're looking forward to. And one thing to know is what we're looking forward to in 2013. Right, and there, there's a decent number of 2012 movies that we didn't get a chance to yeah, see. Yeah, maybe next time we'll so that's why talk about make the, it. The list of yeah, we we still have a right quite a few or at we, least we a haven't hand. seen Argo yet. We haven't seen Skyfall. Well, that's for the there's, next. There's a bunch of stuff. You're gonna do our segment for us. No, I'm just saying, for anybody who wants to complain why didn't why certain movies didn't make our list, we just haven't seen a lot of movies. Well, yeah, yeah. So, so I guess we don't have to do a segment next, but just but if we if it wasn't on our list, we either didn't see it or we didn't think it was good enough to be on our list. Yeah. So I guess we can move on to comics. There aren't as a ton of comics. Cause there wasn't much that came out over the Christmas break and oh there's a ton of Marvel books that came out the week before Christmas I haven't, yeah, even, you haven't read them I though. haven't caught up on all of them no yeah. but there are there were a ton Marvel Marvel released almost every single book on the 19th I mean they didn't release Spider-Man that actually came out the week of Christmas I think that was the only thing that came out with Spider-Man 700 but otherwise pretty much every book was released the the week before Christmas it was for people who buy comics it was quite the the money drain that week so for for me, since our last recording, I've I had c- continuing the Superman, the Super Family storyline, Hell on Earth or Hell, however you want to pronounce it. The Superboy fifteen and Supergirl fifteen, just continuing those. There isn't much to talk about 
I thought they were serviceable. I thought the art was incredibly inconsistent because they had a couple of different artists working on both books. So it was only okay. It was really interesting to see Superboy finally meeting. Well, he it was last. It was in Superman, the last Superman issue, Superman fourteen, I believe, that Superboy and Superman finally met. But they really got to get some good conversation in the Fortress of Solitude and Superboy fifteen, and the issue ends with Superboy to keep him alive. Superman he gets Superman's new costume. He, Superman puts it on him. So it's kind of cool because I haven't been a fan of the. I know you've really noticed it, but there's a Superboy has this like almost like Tron inspired outfit mm-hmm. that he's been wearing in the new Fifty Two, and something okay. It's odd to but, me that he's getting power from a suit. Well, yeah, you you abandon Action Comics, but Superman's suit is different now. It's kind mm-hmm. of na- some nanotech, and it's a little bit different. It's not just like the cloth or whatever that's been in the past. It's uh, it's got it's got it's a little different than it kind of. It's hard to explain, and different artists have been doing it differently, but... It has some embedded it, technology It does in some... It. Con- and it, 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 part of the problem is Superboy is a amalgamation of three different... He isn't a pure clone of Superman. He's got... In the old continuity, uh, pre-New 52, he had... He was a clone of Superman and, and Lex Luthor. Well, that was even a retcon. For a while, it was um, completely somebody else, and it's irrelevant now, but... Um, they Jeff Johns introduced that it was Lex Luthor and Superman, so that made for a pretty interesting dynamic. Superboy's got these dichotomous um, parts to him, yeah. parts that are going on, and then the New Fifty Two. Apparently, there's th- he's got three different three th- clone of three different uh, individuals, and so those are kind of battling. But it ended up where the DNA was starting to break down, and his suit was able to contain that. Um, mm-hmm. So that was interesting. But Supergirl. Sort of forgettable. I mean, it was serviceable. She and her and Hell. Hell's got her sort of wrapped around his finger. It was, it was, it's okay. I'm curious to see where it's going. But it's not great, but it's not horrible. It's. I think it's fun to have a uh, super family crossover. So. Mm-hmm. And then I also read, you've been meaning to read, but I read... Aquaman 14, which I know was... I read it, too. Oh, you did? I did. When? Just before the podcast. Oh, so what did you think? It's fresh in my head. Um, I I like where it's going. It's interesting where it could be headed. It's kind of dumb how... Well, first of all, the book's been out for a month and a half or so. I mean, Aquaman 15's out now. We just haven't read it yet. We haven't picked it up from the shop yet. We haven't... We get a monthly shipment. I mean, it's it's piqued my interest to wanting to read the next issue. It's kind of dumb how... Ocean Master, Superman, or um, Aquaman's brother, is featured front and center on the cover, not silhouetted at all. You can fully see his face, and then throughout the whole issue, yeah. they keep him hidden, and you're not quite sure who it is. Although you can tell from the silhouette, and if you just want to see it, you go right to the cover. Yeah, yeah, and and the the beginning first few pages, I thought were just a little weird, where they're showing like the 1800s pirate scene. I thought that was. It was okay. A little interesting. It piqued my interest at first because the what turns out to be Aquaman and Ocean Master's grandfather, I thought it might have been Aquaman, and I was like, I'm not sure what's going on here because yeah. he looks so much like Aquaman. So I, I actually thought that was kind of interesting. I was, uh, yeah, I, I just, I, you know, at first I was just, where is this going? What are they doing with us? You know, and then, and then you find well, out. Well, it was but, like the first couple of pages of a story, so right. I give it the benefit of the doubt. But Yeah, I mean, and, and as far as the art goes, uh, to me it was okay. It wasn't my favorite, but it wasn't. 
the worst. There were parts of it that I thought were a little cartoony and parts of it that I thought were good. So I don't have much more to say. It it, it has me it has my interest peaked for mm-hmm. me the too. rest of Throne of Atlantis. I don't know. I feel like the last page when they like released those creatures or whatever from I feel like those are significant. I feel, just just reading it because I haven't read the Aquaman series since the New Fifty Two started, yeah. and I get the sense. Did you get the sense that like those are something that's significant from prior issues? Yeah, I kind of got that, and it made me want to go back. I mean, there's only a year's worth of content. I'm kind of intrigued to go back and and see well, what the New Fifty Two is actually done with this it's character. A, well, it's outside a, of JLA, it's gotten great reviews. I seeing mean, seeing John. Aquaman in JLA, I've I've liked his few appearances in in the first arc in Justice League. So I, I even after reading him in Justice League, I was a little bit intrigued. So part of me wants to go back. I just have I've got quite a backlog of books, so I don't know when I'll get to it. But I I do have my interest peaked just for the new Fifty Two Aquaman in general. Yeah, I, it was a book that I considered reading, but I just my interest just wasn't quite there. I, yeah. The review for for at least I know the first arc. Well, I don't, I don't even really kept track since the first arc, but the first arc got great reviews. So if you mm-hmm. want to check it out, I think you'll like I've it. I've thought about it. Yeah, I mean, and and I uh, when the new Fifty Two came out, I was actually most intrigued by Green Arrow, and after the first issue, I dropped it. So. Well, yeah, that got horrible reviews. I mean, <laughs> it, it deserved horrible reviews. But so. the last issue I wanted to talk about was Superman Family Adventures number eight, which I raved about it last week. I'm going to rave about it every month when I read the issue because until it gets bad, it's just it's the the best Superman book I'm reading, and it's Superman Family, I should say, because everybody's in it. Everybody, Superboy, Supergirl, and they just have uh, some great homages to Superman the movie. In this issue, in particular, there was uh, some funny ways that dialogue from the movie was used in a completely different context on this and this and just coming from a, a kid's angle and i they i know you didn't read it but they mm-hmm. they they introduced some characters some antagonists that were actually introduced in the first arc of new 52's uh, the the Superman title written mm-hmm. by George Perez, who I actually couldn't remember who wrote it last last uh, episode, but it was George Perez, and he wrote this arc that was pretty really crappy. With <laughs> and it ended up like there was these Krypton thing. There was like a lizard and this flame entity and an ice entity, and they actually brought them into here, and it worked so much better. And it's written for five year olds, and it just. I, I it's great. I can't yeah, <laughs> say you too. were raving about it just after you read it, so I yeah. knew that I could expect and, you to rave about it some more. And they're building towards Brainiac, which would be pretty cool. So I mean, even though it's written for little kids, it's still there. Still is overarching plots that go through that are have been building since issue one, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty cool because I mean it is written for written kids, for so kids, it, but there's still a. a uh, Higher level. Story I mean, just like any it. cartoon that's on TV. I mean, yeah. they they like the new Turtles TV show or any TV show. The Avengers that you watch, everything is, ri- yeah. is written oh, for God. kids. Earth's Mightiest Avengers is yeah. such a good cartoon. Everything's written for kids, but they you know oh it's they, got continuity. They, they do it so yeah. adults can enjoy it too. Yep. But that's all I got for. I haven't read much. I read some over the break. I read some back issues of some some classic. For me, classic triangle year mm-hmm. Superman, some post death of Superman issues. Uh, oh, that's right, you got me the for Christmas. One of the Christmas presents you got me was the news time issue mm-hmm. from Death of Superman uh, during the Death of Superman storyline. So it wasn't even. It's really cool. It, it's for for those of you who don't even 
know what it is, is during the Death Superman storyline, that was a huge thing that spanned months and months and months, uh, over a year and a half, and while Superman was dead, they actually stopped publishing his books for three months, um, completely stopped, and in that time they put out a couple specials, but none of, the, none of them were Superman books, and one of the specials they put out was an actual magazine, it's called News Time, which is, it's a fake magazine, I mean, even the little address label is going to Clark Kent's, um, Clark Kent's apartment, but it, they did it and made it look exactly like a magazine. Just yeah. everything's It's fake. done really well. If you didn't know what you'd it was it at first, you'd think you were reading you'd, a magazine you'd and pick be it like, up what and is think this? It was a magazine. You'd think, why does this magazine have yeah. fake articles? I mean, because it's but... got ads in it that are out of the Metropolis world. Yeah, they have an uh, ad for Coast City Airlines and for Lex Air Airlines and all these, you, you know, all these, and what, what, as a Superman fan of the early 90s, um, they had such a good continuity going between the books then, and just even down to the brand of cola that everybody drank in the issues was uh, soda cola, and you'd always see that in the in, in the issues, and you don't see that type of you don't see that type of continuity now in, mm-hmm. in terms of the background details. I mean, when was like, can you tell me what care what Daredevil's eating? No, exactly. I, I like couldn't... people are drinking like oh, I can tell brands you of soda. Part of the problem that Marvel runs into, especially now with Marvel now, is they're double shipping every month. So they don't even have necessarily the same artists doing doing the work all the time. They have but, to switch out artists every other issue. Yeah, and that's yeah, hard. And that's a, that's so horrible. Just freaking write. Like if if you're shipping too much, you're putting too much of a burden if you have to do that. And so that's yeah. why it was. It's refreshing for me when I go back and revisit what's my favorite era of Superman is a, is the Triangle Years is. And so you know they have in the getting back to the news time they have an ad for Soda Cola which is awesome for fans because this was back in the era when they actually were taking the time to maintain consistency even mm-hmm. you'd see characters would go and buy a pop and it would be like just like you'd see a coke yeah machine you'd see a soda machine and it was just i don't know that's why i love the watchmen because that detail is there that level of detail is so yeah. high in the Watchmen. well i mean you see it's that awesome. you see that i it, 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 don't get me wrong it is great but i have to i can't give it well, I mean, I can't give you enough praise, but also at the same, t- same time, I have to recognize that it was a 12-issue, it was a mini-series, so they knew that they could take their time. Mm-hmm. I'm actually not sure if everything shipped on time, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't but know. But it was 12 issues, they were not they were able to get it out. But yeah, The Watchmen, you know, has that continuity, but when you see it in a main book, that's when it's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when it's different, that's when, I mean, it's, that's when it's unique. Yeah, yeah. I wish it wasn't unique, so, I agree with you. So that's all the comic comic talk i got until we get our shipment i actually think this wednesday i'm gonna head over to the comic shop usually we get them the past few months we've been experimenting with having our comic shop ship the books to us but then we start getting behind like we are now and plus you gotta you actually spend a little bit more to To ship it to ship it i thought you know i thought oh it's a convenience but i work in this i work in the town the comic shops and i can just pop over and get it i mean yeah it's a little bit out of the not it's a little out of the way but it's worth it it gets the, i don't know yeah it keeps us from getting 15 books all at once i, I think we're gonna i think i'm gonna stop stop that i think mm-hmm. we you know we only did it for i think Couple since months. october and we yeah. considered toying with we, we considered going with uh dcbs which is digital comic book discount comic discount book service. comic book service and they will ship your books to you for you know, mm-hmm. you you have the, the you purchase most books at some discounted rate because they they sell in volume. That's how it works. The difference between them and our comic shop, who will ship us FedEx our books once a month, or actually how often we we want for five, at five dollars for shipping. But 
DCBS will, you have to do it, you have to go by the previews. You gotta go three months in advance. I don't always know what I want mm-hmm. three months in advance. They also offer some really good bundle deals, though, which I, I want to look into a little bit more sometimes. Like when, when Marvel Now first came out, they offered something like 38 books for it at half cost. So you get 38 bucks for, I think it was only like $30 or something like that. I mean, it was, it was really cheap. And they, they've been doing that with the new 52 and whatnot. And, yeah. and anyway, I, I think it's worth us exploring a little bit more, depending on how many comics we need to buy at any particular month. So anyway, if I went out getting into the comics that I wanted to talk about, I finally caught up with The Walking Dead. Last time we podcasted, I head right up to about issue 97 so i was a pretty significant story arc behind so now i'm all caught up and i can't wait i haven't read issue 105 yet so i'll refrain from talking about it more until i read 105 but i'm really looking forward to 105 i'm sure a lot of you listeners have already read it and i just can't wait to see what happened to carl and his stupid excursion into essentially no man's land and in, right into the heart of the bad guy's territory. Let me guess, he ran into zombies. No, no, just some really, really bad people. So it's we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. I'll talk about 105 more next time. But I wanted to, to mention Daredevil End of Days. I talked about it in the last podcast. It's continuing, I read issue four, it's continuing to be incredibly depressing. In this most recent issue, we actually find, spoiler, spoiler, um, we, we I don't know, have but to do that. It's a big deal. Yeah, but Bullseye's dead. If you listen to this show, it is spoilers. And he's he's killed himself in a unique way where he actually ricocheted a bullet off three different walls and it hit him like smack dab in the forehead right on the bullseye that's that's etched in his forehead. Which Wasn't I he was already cool. dead? Like I, I remember no, Bullseye's you telling, not dead. I remember you telling me like last year or something that Bullseye was something was well, well he, he was out of the books for a while, right? Or something was rough. Yeah, I mean there was like, there there was a death. What of, happened with the Shadowland the, thing? Did he die in Shadowland? There was a death of Bullseye, but yeah. his spirit like they they had his spirit enter a different body. So Bullseye did die though. The, so I wasn't wrong. The incarnation of Bullseye at that time died, but this is End of Days is its own continuity in a way. I mean it's it's not it's 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 stealing what it wants from Daredevil continuity. So in this in this arc, Daredevil, or the bullseye that Daredevil's always fought against well, was alive. It's like the Dark Knight Returns of Daredevil, it sounds like. Kind of, yeah. And in, in, in issue number four, they bring back Echo, who's a character that's introduced. It's also, also known as Ronin in the Marvel Universe. And she was introduced back in the beginning of Volume 2 in issue 9 of Brian Michael Bendis' run. And they did the art style very similar to what David Mack had done. And if, if you've read that arc, it's very watercolor-based. And it's it's a really, really unique art style that I thought was fantastic when I read it, when Daredevil Volume 2 the first time. So I, I liked that homage. I liked that they brought that art style back for some of the pages. And I liked that they brought Echo back because I actually liked her as a character quite a bit. And she's not in it a lot. So, I mean, it's th- this episode's basically been Eric continuing his investigation into the word Mapone and we don't really get any more detail about what it means or its significance in Daredevil's life and to make matters worse Bullseye wrote the same word in blood across the wall before killing himself in his bedroom so you know the verdict is still out on what that means I hope they're able to tie this up in a good way it's a depressing story but anybody who's a fan of Daredevil if you've read Frank Miller's Daredevil and if you've read 
the Bendis and Brubaker Volume 2 of Daredevil, you should definitely check this out. It sounds interesting. I I always like those those future storylines. Even I haven't read it. There's a bunch that I want to read. I know. I mean, it's kind of like The Dark Knight Returns and Kingdom yeah. Come. But I know that this sounds intriguing. Also, they did a Wolverine thing a couple years ago, like Old Man Logan, I think. Mm-hmm. They did. That yeah, was pretty... Old Man Logan got really good reviews. That was pretty intriguing. I, I'll be honest. Something else. Oh, there, there was, what was the Spider-Man one called? They did the Spider-Man one a few years ago called... I, I can like picture the cover. Like One of the covers, it was four issues, where I think Peter Parker and like a tattered Spider-Man thing is yeah, like, I'm clutching sure. a... Which one you're referring to? I don't read Spider Man, so I don't always follow it. I don't. Well, what's I, going I, on. I don't read it either. But I just remember. I usually my ears perk up when I hear about these um, set in the future, towards the end of the mm-hmm. character's lifetime. I always am intrigued by those type types yeah. of stories, and so this is mean, a one. This story, it's it's a little meandering because it's it's basically just Ben Eric finding everybody who's anybody who's had any contact with Daredevil and trying to talk to him. The only character we really haven't seen is Foggy Nelson. Mm-hmm. He's nowhere to be seen. But every character from Mila, who is Daredevil's most recent love affair and wife in recent times, all the way back to Elektra and, of course, to, um, gosh, I... Typhoid Mary's in it as well. They're they're all just making appearances, and it's it's a who's who of Daredevil's life. So if you're not really familiar with Daredevil continuity, it's it's, it's going to have a lot less meaning to you, and it is kind of meandering and slow. Mm-hmm. The other issue I wanted to mention that I've started to read is New Avengers number one. It just came out. The previous New Avengers and Avengers series, which were written by Brian Michael Bendis, wrapped up a couple of weeks ago with uh, I believe issue thirty four of each, and I really like those runs. So I was disappointed to see Bendis leaving the book, but I'm excited also to be reading All New X-Men, which Bendis is writing instead. And Jonathan Hickman is taking over New Avengers, and he he has a really well-known and renowned well-known <laughs> run in for uh, FF and Fantastic Four. So I was looking forward to him taking over New Avengers. And I have to say, issue number one was okay. There's a lot of introduction of this future world type thing going on i'm not quite sure where they're going with it but what he did bring back is the illuminati which uh has a it's either five or six issue miniseries that brian michael bendis wrote in 2010 i liked that miniseries a lot i was hoping that they would spin it off into its own series but they didn't but it's coming back in new avengers so I'm, i'm intrigued for that and the other thing that I'm really excited for is the is the art is being done by Steve Epting, and I really really like his artwork. Well, has so, he done anything I've read? I know that you've mentioned him. Um, let's see. You didn't read? No, I don't think he's really done anything that you've read. I should read some stuff just so I know. I I, I might. I don't. I don't even know if I recognize the art. If if I. I mean, most recently he he did a section of work on the AVX. I think he had a couple of books that he did no, there. No, I didn't The only the and... only thing I read of AVX was the the um the Infinite issue, the first Infinite issue with with uh, no, with with Nova. Yep, he did which some was of the. Cool. I think you did read. Did they do any more after that? Uh, they had three the... in Infinite comics with Nova. Okay, so yeah, there was I mean... like one at the beginning, one in the middle, and towards the end. They made a deal out of it. It seemed like it's some. So nothing's come out of it. I mean those and it, it was done by by mark wade i thought he did a really good but job they were pretty cool it. It was a pretty cool concept i liked how 
the transitions were smooth yeah. and seamless. And, and actually, the second and third um, Infinite Comics were even better than the first one. And I know you like the first one a lot. I thought they were even better. I think the second one was my favorite. It's, it, it was The Infinite Comics are very cool, the way they're done. It's almost like a natural progression. It's almost, mm-hmm. you hadn't seen it before. Nobody's done it before, but it's almost like, why has nobody done this? Where you just have a background, yeah. then you know a word bubble balloon fades into it. Because all it is is a slideshow. It's like 90s. Like, I remember because I was trying to read it on Comixology, and it actually was set up not to do the smooth transitions or the yeah. fading. It was actually just doing, like, hard transitions. So then... It's like a PowerPoint there was presentation, like, exactly, essentially. That's exactly yep. it. It's, like, just a big PowerPoint. And, but, it, but it works really well. Well, because they, they, they will blend art by... same The same thing you would do if you're doing animation in a cartoon, where you keep the background still. Yeah. And you change the yeah. perspective of where the character's it, moving. It seems that's like a natural evolution do. of... I can see digital comics as we move to the digital, as as publishers move away from their relying on print publishing to mm-hmm. to move towards that. It was it was I, I'd be interested to read the other two, um, and I'm surprised yeah. that they they made a big push about it, and it seems like they've only put out three issues of it. Yeah, I maybe mean, it's more work to do it. I don't know. I I read that on just on Marvel's website and in their news area that they are trying to be more digital, and they've got a lot more plans for their AR or their their alternative reality mm-hmm. um, within in it's it's an incentive essentially to buy the hard copy copy hard copy comics because there's an app that you can use on tablets and phones that have cameras to get this added material which mm-hmm. is usually the pencilings or little videos and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. they they are moving forward with more of that in two thousand thirteen. So, oh, and Steve Epting did uh, Marvel Eyes of the Camera, which is a follow up oh, to Marvel's. Yeah. I think you read that. I read. Or at least parts I didn't of it. finish it. I read. It was good. I just lost. Yeah, there was track a long after... delay between I think issues five yeah, and six. I think that lost me, and it lost me for a while too. I think I went back and finished it, and it wasn't as good as if I had read it as a graphic novel. But um, I think that about does it for comics, right? Yeah. The only so. other thing that I think is is mentionable, I haven't read it, is that Spider Man issue seven hundred came out, which is the end of the Amazing Spider Man run. Oh, yeah. issue seven hundred. Yeah, it... and it's it's the death of the the death of the um the brain, so to speak, or the consciousness of Peter Parker happens in this. There's plenty of loopholes to be able to bring him back. But essentially, Peter Parker's body is still alive, but it has the the brain of Doc Octopus in it. Mm-hmm. And they're they're doing a whole storyline and arc about Doc Octopus taking over as Spider Man as the new Spider Man. And now that Amazing Spider Man is over, it's being replaced by Superior Spider Man number one, which will be Doc Ock and his attempt to be the better Spider Man mm-hmm. and hopefully do right by Peter Parker. Yeah, I'm intrigued to know what's happening. No part of me is intrigued enough to actually go out and read the issue, but mm-hmm. it's interesting to know what happened. Yep. And, but yeah, you and like know, I said, I, I I keep up with what's going on, but I'm not reading it. Peter Parker's going to be back, though. I'm sure. With the, or with with within a year at the in most. some way, yeah. So I think with that we can move on to video games. We had some we had some video game stuff, like some video games we played over break that we were going to talk about. But I think we can hold off on that until next time and mm-hmm. focus on. And actually, before that, I actually want to skip to TV real quick, just to say that we don't really have everything. There was nothing new of a break. Uh, everything right. was nothing was new. The only thing is we caught up on a couple episodes of Top Chef, which yep. which was which was fun. I don't like the what's her 
big fat name. Josie. I want her to be <laughs> gone. Yeah, I'm ready for but, Josie to go as well. We had to catch up on like four episodes. I'm a little of disappointed that Bart's Last off. Kitchen. But I didn't think he had the opportunity to win anyway. That's the so. only. I have to say that's the only reality show that I watch. But it, it's really good. Like, no part of me is ashamed to say that I watch that reality <laughs> show. It's really good. So. Oh, yeah, we've been watching a lot of How I Met Your Mother on yep. Netflix. And How I Met Your Mother was renewed for a ninth season. I don't know if we mentioned that last time, but I'm, I'm excited was, for... I, I'm not excited. I, I'm excited for a ninth season, but I'm ready for it to be done because it's. It, I think it's time. They've done what they needed to do with the series. People are losing enthusiasm. I know, at least, especially Jason Segel, because I, I remember a couple of years ago, I think yeah. they were playing their end of their fifth or maybe sixth season. I remember him saying, him saying we're contractually obligated to episode or through, through season, season eight. eight and I'm, we're gonna, I'm at least I'm going to be done then. And now, you know, they probably toss enough money that it's going to keep yeah. going. Well, but. I mean, and when I read the article about season nine coming back, it was the, they wouldn't come back if they couldn't get the whole cast. And he was the one that was holding out the most. Yeah. So and I'm not surprised. I mean, he's got quite the career and I honestly, just, his character Marshall is not in the fun, exciting place that he used having, to be. Marshall is not as fun of a character. Having rewatched, have, having almost caught up to the new, the current episodes, rewatched the whole, almost having rewatched the whole season over mm-hmm. Christmas break, the show is just hits such creative high points, and I feel like it's losing steam create, creatively, creatively, and yeah. I don't, I feel like season nine is solely a cash grab. It's it's getting into two and a half men territory where. Yeah. The quality, I think, is still higher than Two and a Half Men, even though I agree. we still watch Two and a Half Men. Well, two and but, a Half Men just went crazy, too, with but the whole plot change, well, character yeah, changes. With, with, you know, Charlie Sheen leaving. But How You Met Your Mother, I feel like it's always been a show that's relied so heavily on its writing, and it's very creative in its writing, and that a season nine is not a natural progression. It's it's now becoming, financially, is what everybody wants to do. Yeah, it, I hate be, that. And I feel like... Season 8 should, I mean, I could almost say that this season, season 7, could be the end. Just because, let, don't let it slowly, don't let it slowly die. Just let it go out while it's still pretty decent. I mean, it's not as good as even as it once was, but. I mean, I, so I think not, the same thing happened we'll with Friends, nine. though. And I think Friends was still a still a decent show in season 10. But you never know. That's even what, though it was not as good as it has been. See, that's the thing is, How I Met Your Mother is to me at least, is such a good show that even if it's not as good as it used to be, it's better than a lot of the crap that's out there. That's true. I mean, that's true, but I want to... But it's not as strong. You don't want it to go out weak. You want it to go out with a bang, which I guess is maybe good for Community because I think Community is fantastic. We'll be able to talk about... Community's coming back in about a month or so, so we'll be able to talk about that. But I think... I'm going to try to keep this episode a little shorter than last one, although it's still running. or Mm -hmm. still running like, like an hour and 25, but... um keep a little shorter than the last one i think we'll talk about other video game stuff next time what we were playing other than what our big gift was for christmas or at least the gift that we've been spending all our time with which is a seven-year-old console now we <laughs> finally got a Wii. Your, yeah, we your did. brother gave us one for christmas and and we, I'm not ashamed that we're a generation behind oh, no. in, with of Nintendo consoles getting, because we've been a PlayStation family. Well, yeah, getting the console just reminds me I love it. I've been playing it a ton, but having it just reminds me that why I didn't buy one because mm-hmm. it reaffirms we've, we've almost like we haven't played them all, but we've almost purchased just like we, I've been the searching, entire library that yeah, we the want. entire library that we want, which is all Nintendo first party stuff in terms of. I mean, there's only about seven games that we mm-hmm. truly want to play on that system. 
and it's and... It, it's worked out to be almost a game a year since the incarnation of the Wii. Yeah. We have essentially one game every year. I mean, pretty much. What it is is essentially a Mario box for us. We want to play mm-hmm. the Mario games, Mario Kart, so Donkey get, Kong, Donkey and Kong. We're looking into playing some of the Kirby's. Yeah, yeah. The, we got. Um, we just got uh, Kirby's uh, Epic Yarn. Kirby's Epic Yarn, and we got your your brother gave us. Um, along with the Wii, Mario Galaxy, which is a game I wanted to play. We've been playing the hell out of New Super Mario Brothers Wii. Mm, that is fun. I that am really enjoying that. It's so fun. A Superman, a Superman. <laughs> it's a Mario fan dream. Oh, it's it's great. It's with the exception of not being HD, which is where the Wii U beats it. With the exception of not being HD, it truly does feel like. Uh, a generational jump, especially for us, because we haven't played the Wii. I know a lot of like the game's been out for three years. People have been playing it for a while, but for us, it's new. We've been going back and playing some of the older Super um, Mario World from any from SNES, which actually neither one of us had really spent that much time with, and we're mm-hmm. just working our way we through. We actually just played Game Boy. Yeah, yeah. We're well. That's what, yeah. We're working our way through the Mario catalog. We're playing the Game Boy games, and so playing the Wii has just been. It's so fun. Um, yeah, for, for so us, we, it's a it's an upgrade for Mario. It's not an then, upgrade in terms of gaming because we've been playing with yeah. PS3, but it's a, it's an upgrade for Mario, which has been mm-hmm. fun. The other games that we got, we got Mario Kart. And I'll talk more about each game individually and the system as a whole, but we got Mario Kart, Galaxy. Oh yeah, I already mentioned Mario mm-hmm. Galaxy, and then we don't have Galaxy Two yet. But Donkey we'll, Kong we'll Return, it. Donkey Kong Returns. Yeah, we're gonna buy Mario Galaxy. I want to check out Mario Paper. I've never or Paper Mario. I've never played mm-hmm. any of the Paper Mario games, but with the exception of those games that we just mentioned that we already have, Mario Galaxy 2, mm-hmm. Paper Mario, and maybe you were thinking about, although reviews aren't great, Epic Mickey. Mm-hmm. As re- a Mickey fan, I'll probably, you know, a Disney fan, I'll probably end up really playing it for the homages. There's really nothing else that we want to play. So that just, I'm, yeah. I'm really glad we had it. It's almost like, man, we held out being able to play these awesome Mario games, mm-hmm. and Mario Kart's really fun, and Donkey Kong's really fun, but it, it's... It, it it is not a system that looks fo- for me at least. Well, I think for, and I don't think anybody could even dispute this. It's not a system that looks forward. It's not a system. The graphics weren't looking forward in two thousand six. Well, it's also HD. a seven year old system, so for us it can't look forward. No, but, but... in two thousand six it wasn't looking forward. No, it not was, at all. It wasn't HD. Well, the argument would be that it was looking forward with the motion controls. Yeah, and that is why the Wii has been one of the best talent selling game consoles is because it created a home gaming experience for all and, and that's something that game gaming hadn't done for or at me, least not very well this the, i can i see that nintendo's never gonna move in i mean i can't say never you never know what's the future we don't have a wii u yet if if i mean i could see in seven years <laughs> like, like, <laughs> yeah but, I, part of it is the price is right for a wii knowing that we weren't going to get very many yeah, games free. we didn't want to spend a lot of money on a oh, console I, I, I thought you meant the I price right want, now with well, your brother buying it for well, us. Well, not only that, but I, I wouldn't want anybody to get it for us as a gift at full price. No. I mean, it's, it's at a fantastic price right now. Unlike the PS3, which really has become our entertainment hub, the same with a lot of people, it, the, the 360 has done for them. It's become the entertainment hub. We watch Netflix. This is truly still just a video game console. Even though it mm-hmm. does Netflix... It's standard def Netflix. I'm not going to watch Netflix on it, nope. especially when in the same room we have another player, Blu-ray player that does high def Netflix. And right. This is truly a console that I think, for me personally, I know, and from anecdotally, I know just worldwide. I feel like this is just a nostalgia plat- uh, platform. I mean, the motion controls are progressive. 
but they got they, but they weren't but they got old from what from all you ever heard is that people hadn't picked up their Wii's in years and years. Well, yeah, I mean, you have people like my parents who are in their sixties who seriously considered getting a Wii because they thought it would be fun for the kids, meaning us, to come over and play when we're visiting for holidays or whatever. So, I mean, if that were the case, had they gotten one, it would have been used two, three times a year max. Oh yeah, that's and, and we played the Wii sports games, and yeah, I can yeah, say having right. I having gonna... played those and having played Sports Champions, which is the motion control. For the game PS3. for the PS3, the Wii games are crap. No, actually, I have to I back liked up. golf, but the... I think otherwise the graphics are absolute shit. The graphics are horrible, but we, I feel like we were surprised with um, Wii Sports sucked balls. The that game yeah. sucked. Tennis, Res- Resort tennis took okay. it a notch. Above. Resort is actually really fun, and I'm considering not considering. I'm going to get us because the system came with one um, Wii remote with the Motion Plus bundled into it which you have to have for Wii Sports Resort and then we already had a one Wii uh Wii controller that we were just using as a Bluetooth uh controller for our tablet which actually mm-hmm. works really good for playing older emulators or anything mm-hmm. like that and so we already had a Wii remote but it, it didn't have motion plus in it so we can't play two player uh sports resort and i think sports resort surprised me at how well it actually was like well the basketball would be a fun two-player game i agree with you i i think we could have I some fun all, I was, versus with cycling and and the jet skiing and i don't know i thought there wasn't really a game that i thought sucked just i think the graphics were just so inferior to what i'm used to and when we when we did boxing with regular we that was awful oh well, yeah yeah but the but, gladiator but we we uh, resort um did step up the motion controls and from the, the original there's just a very sports. there's just a very large variety in we sports resort yeah there is and it gives you different different I mean, opportunities unique ways to use the controller no, i'll I, give it that i thought at first i was i thought i, I saw cycling because New Year's Eve, actually, before we started to have our fondue feast, we were like, let's check out the Wii, the, the Wii um, mm-hmm. sports games. And, we played every sport. And, yeah, we realized immediately that Wii sports sucks. The It <laughs> just is, I don't see myself putting that game in, especially because the the games that are in there, they just re-put them in Sports Resort and Some did it better. Of the, them, yeah. the golf is better. I mean, there's no tennis, but you have ping pong. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought the, the ping pong played The table well. tennis, you were saying it played... Just about as well. Yeah, as the graphics weren't as good. Champions, but, but uh, graphics the controls were—I would say the controls were about the same, but the graphics weren't as good. But yeah, and, and the system as a whole—I would never want it to be my sole console. I think Mm-mm. the PS3 works. That's why we put it in the basement. It's the backup. But it's fun. It's just so fun. It's almost like I was missing out, hanging out with these with my video game friends, hanging out with Mario Kart, and it's like. Man, I was I was missing out not playing these <laughs> Some games. Some old friends have come back to play. Ex- oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. But then you know I'm but gonna have these a year seven or from eight now. Games. We're not gonna play this console much. We'll dig it out to maybe finish off a level here and there. If there's something we didn't mm-hmm. collect in Donkey Kong, we'll get it out every now and then, just like we do sports champions to verse each other. And usually we're doing that when friends are over and we're having a drink or two, or in what we call a Nielsen game night where we curl up with a six pack of beer and and play each other but other than that i mean really our Wii is going to end up like the other relic we is collecting well, dust yeah sitting right next to our our old nes it's well, in the same in the same entertainment center it'll do it'll be 
you're exactly right, but I, I feel like we'll pull it out every now and then when we just want to play. But it'll be just like somebody right now pulls out their NES or however, like, you know, they pull out an old system. And yeah, just yeah, it'll, it'll it. be the old system that you get out every now and then because you want some nostalgia. I mean, hell, we, we until we started using emulators, we would still get out our old Nintendo, which still works. I mean, now, we still have that. One thing that doesn't bother me is you hear about how horrible the wagging is, the controller wagging for a lot of the games, and you... From the games that we've played, I, I, I actually don't mind it. You have to shake the controller in yep. Mario, which is a little gimmicky, but it works well. You used it with the propeller hats that you you know, you know fly around. Yep. And the times that they have you do it makes sense to me. It's not all the time. It's for certain moves. You don't have to map it to a, a separate button. You can just do it then. Mm-hmm. I think. Although I, th- I think the back trigger doesn't do anything in Mario. So you could have, I guess, mapped it to the B, the mm-hmm. B button, mm-hmm. I suppose. But it works fine there and in donkey kong although i have to say in donkey kong pounding your fist is fine but i actually think the blowing like the blowing the flowers that's kind of mm-hmm. gimmicky and i think it works well for for rolling also yeah yeah and then what was the other thing oh i the the stupidest feature that is so so stupid is the um is the speakers on the controller itself? Those that is <laughs> you the do have the option of thing. turning the volume down on that. You can turn it down. We just haven't bothered well, to. It isn't so stupid that I I I, I don't hate it. It's just, it's just yeah, it's it just, just a little supplemental from, noise. It just sounds from the game. But what is? It's not like it's adding anything because I I think the sounds play through the actual speakers as well. Usually, it's it's a different noise. I've kind of paid attention to it. Like when you get a one up or something like that, you'll hear one noise through the speaker and a uh, different. Maybe a different tone of the same noise will come yeah, through, just your, a different, but I mean, is, through your controller. It doesn't bother me in the sense that it un, I, it annoys me. I don't mm-hmm. like to hear it. I just think this is a pretty stupid feature. It's, it's a functionality that you don't really need. It's a fun, Yeah, it's, I don't know how much it costs. Maybe it was really cheap to implement, so they did it. But it's really kind of dumb. I don't know. In Donkey Kong, or in Mario, you hear coins collect, and then in Donkey Kong, you hear the bananas being collected. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's such a stupid, stupid feature that I don't know if it took resources away from something else to implement that feature. Hopefully not. But what are your what are your some other thoughts about it? About the sound, or, or just about, about the system in general? In general. The system, the game. Well, I'm having fun with it, but it's it's clearly an inferior system to PS3 or to well, Xbox. Yeah, that, but I don't a... mind that because, like we said before, it really is for us. It's a Nintendo machine. Yeah, it's and it's a Mario machine. Even though we've it, talked about maybe playing Metroid because that's another big IP. Neither one of us is really Zelda fans, so we're not going to go down that road. And maybe we'll play those, maybe we won't. But I feel like having played all these Mario games, there's a piece of my childhood being an '80s kid that's coming back. Oh yeah, of course. That's that why I, really I said like. I. That's why I said it earlier. You know, you get back to hanging out with some friends. And you're yeah playing these. So games. I think in in general. I'm happy that we have the Wii now, but I think now is the time to get it. Now that the Wii U's out and the price point for the Wii has changed, I don't mind that it's a legacy console now because the games are still new enough that the graphics are decent. So it doesn't yeah. really bother me. They're better for than the... they're better than the generations that we're used to. So and we're never gonna buy any game that's cross platform. We're not buying it for the Wii. Like it truly no. is just for the Wii exclusives. And of the Wii exclusives, it's the Wii exclusives that we want to play, which is yeah. essentially. I mean, we the might Mario play Punch games. Out. That's a, another nostalgic. Well, yeah, game. Again, I think we just, probably will play Punch that's Out. Just, that goes back to it just being a nostalgia machine. There is no new IPs that I want to play that are on the Wii that are Wii exclusives. Yeah, I mean, this is a topic for another show, but it makes me think of. 
if there's any current IP or recent IP that I think will carry through and have the same kind of nostalgia for me that Super Mario has, or maybe not even for me, but for gaming kids. So the tween age or the, you know, kids that are between the ages of maybe seven and 15. I wonder what IP now, if any, will have the kind of nostalgia for them that that Mario has for us. I think there's a few things that work against it. I think I don't think there will be, and I think it's because of the fragmented nature of there's there's PS3 exclusives, P, you know. Yeah, uh, well, we can talk about I was that thinking, more in another well, show too. I think, I, but it's fresh on my mind right now, though. So I mean, I, I, there isn't that much to say. I think I actually now that I think about it, I think like the Halo games we're not into that, or not Halo, but like the Call of Duty. I mm-hmm. think a lot of kids will look fondly on on those. I mean, those I are if something those like are a Ratchet huge. and Clank, or if there's something cartoony. See, that's too. I think the market is too small. That's like. For PS3, I think mm-hmm. it's it's a cross-platform game that's really going to get that. Um, I don't know. I mean, Nintendo was single-platform. It was different. Yeah, but that from was back when there was like Sega. One, or... That was back when I mean, people fell in love with Mario when Nintendo when the NES was like the only system. That's true. You didn't really have other. I don't have nostalgia for Sega really because I didn't grow up with, like I was. There's a whole like I yeah I played Sonic games, but there's like a whole slew of Sega games that I don't care about. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I have a little bit of nostalgia for Sega, but that's because that was the first game console that I bought with my own money. I think it's truly... Versus the Nintendo was my brother's. I think it's truly cross-platform games, those games that permeate all aspects of the market. And even mobile games, I mean, Angry Birds, that's on every platform. Yeah, it's I on... think Angry, Gir- Angry Birds fits in that realm of, oh. of having nostalgia. I could see that. I'm trying to think of... Um... And Angry Birds is, has kind of hit that same level of fame that Mario had at the time. Because they've got T-shirts and mm-hmm, exactly. there's, there's going to be a movie and there's but there's t- uh, toys and all that sort of thing and and Mario had that in his heyday too. In terms of raw, fun gameplay, the one that springs to my mind, which I think if there wasn't you know the fragmentation of PS3, 360, Wii, Wii U, is I think even more the Uncharted games for PS3. Yeah, do that well. one kind of crossed my mind too. But, but I don't think that that that's too cinematic. It's it's, it's not as it's not as game. The character is not as memorable. Well, I mean, Nathan Drake is. It's a, not as much of a game experience as you'd think it. It's really it's like, like a cinematic a experience. Yeah. Um. But what popped in my head was the infamous games. Though the game, I, I know you've really play, you've watched me play a lot. Yeah. I mean, I've, even I've then, it's the it, gameplay is Cole a character though that you like? Yeah. Would grow to love mm-hmm. the way yeah. you grew to love Mario. Mm-hmm. I mean, I actually know more about his personality than Mario's personality. I know and. The, where Uncharted, I think, lacks... Infamous has the gameplay that I think mm-hmm. is classic. It's just fun. Lightning powers. You're sliding on the rails. You can just yeah. slide on rails for miles and miles. But it's a PS3 exclusive, mm-hmm. and I think it sold, a f- it sold, you know, under 5 million copies. Yeah, which I... It just doesn't have the market... It just doesn't have the market share to ever get to that status of being, you know, the nostalgia. I but... think what works against it is is it's realistic backgrounds and the way it's set in a realistic type world. Because if you think about games like Mario and, and games like Angry Birds, is they're timeless because they're not set in a true reality of any sort. They're set yeah. in this alternative reality universe that's different from the real life. And yeah, you can make the argument that Infamous is set in an alternative reality, but it's a closer to real reality than what you get in an Angry Birds. But I was just trying to think of games that when I was little, like where the gameplay would just hook me and. Where I think I un- love Duck Hunt too. Where I think the 
Uncharted games are are great. They're not like I like like we were saying. They're cinematic experiences. You mm-hmm. you're you're just playing from and yeah, I guess some it, would argue with that. Probably. I mean, there's some fun vine swinging, but mostly it's shoot. I think Little Big Planet is one that it's it's not big enough to be the timeless classic, but I think it has the elements that could make it that way. Yeah, and I I completely agree. But everything just comes. Any Sackboy is ex- not as beloved as a character well, as any Mario exclusive, would be. Any console exclusive just comes back to just they don't they just haven't permeated the market yep. share. I think Patapon's another game that's like that as well. Oh, that's even fewer people have played that <laughs> for the PSP. Yeah, it's true. I know. I mean, PSP sold incredibly well in Japan and it sold well for a while, but it yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. I, so it'll be interesting that's to about see what I got to a say decade on that from now. We, and we're gonna and we'll give updates as we play it more because we're pounding our way through 100 percent through New Super Mario Brothers Wii, which also is an interesting thing which I brought up the other night, which is where the NES games, the Mario games for me, I know you could save the Mario games and return to them. I think as far back as Super Mario World, but for me Mario has always been the single play experiences. You, you sit down, you see how far you can go in the game, you turn the console off, you come back and do it again sometime and just see how far. Like, can I beat the game in this playthrough? And, I mean, that's how NES, you try, I mean, who hasn't tried to beat Super Mario uh, bro, uh, it's not even Brothers, but Super Mario on NES and see if you can make it all the way to World 8 in single playthrough. Super Mario's always been that way and I think more so than any, th- than any time before, the Wii game just cements the fact that Mario's even Mario is succumbing to the to current gaming. With it's just interesting how saves being able to save the game ch- takes it from being that experience that where every single day I could sit down and try to play this game from beginning to end. Where now it's a single experience. We're gonna hundred percent the game. That I'm not sure when, when I'm gonna return to it because I've I've done everything. Whereas NES Super Mario on NES probably has more replayability because I, I could sit down every day and try to beat that. Yeah, but that's you you start all over again from the same level. So you see level one fifty million times versus you see level seven once or twice or three times and yeah. then once you beat it you're done and you only see level seven or eight a couple a handful of times. And and, and so, you mentioned that the other night as well. I, but... I think the game suffers from not being able to save because you oh, no. replay, replay, replay. It's very much like a pyramid where the bottom levels you replay many more times than the top levels. I'm not saying it suffers. I think gaming needed to go. I mean, this is how it's been for years and years. Gaming needs to go this way. Just it's Mario's been something that I'm only now returning to in turn in its modern form, and so it really yeah. is like my experience playing Mario is different than it is, almost any other experience. It's different, playing but Mario I think ever. it's better. I I prefer this. Do you see and... yourself really playing Mario? Like, do you see yourself playing Super Mario Wii after we finish it? Really, about a year or... from now, or, or a year and a half from now, it has to be long enough where I forget where some of the secrets are because. That's the problem with Mario, where you have to go back and play it over and over again. You, the timing is the same in Mario. I almost think it's you, funner. You have to jump at the same time every time. The, I think it's... You know what boxes to hit. You know where all the free guys are. You know where all the stuff is. You know how to warp from World 3 exactly. to World 8. That's why I have to disagree with you in terms and this, of... And it loses its playability no. because you know where everything I don't is. Forget. There's no surprises. It becomes a... Uh, uh... It, it becomes an exercise in memory. Like, how fast can I get through this? Do I know where everything is? Can you I could do the same thing with Super Mario Brothers Wii. Or well, you, Super Mario well, Brothers 
Yeah, we you could do the and exact I mean, same thing. I will return. And you have I, more content to do it with. You don't we, have to do it in one Because we played it co-op, played it together, which is fun. You can play two players on the same screen, which is different than Mario, any Mario before that we played. Yeah, and, and it's, it's more of a challenge to try and play it one player because... It's more of a challenge, but less... You'll in, lose your inventory. And in, you have one, to start, in one sense, it's... The star coins are much harder to get with one person because you don't have yeah. an anchor to keep you on the level if you die. In one sense, it's harder, but in one... In, in, I feel like a lot of senses it's easier too because if there's a hard part where or one of us is going through it quicker, faster, or easier, you can just pop into that bubble and just skip that part entirely where, where I didn't have to actually play a number of parts throughout the game, neither did you. We mm-hmm. you know bubbled along. Yeah. So Or if I died and you were still alive, we could just keep going versus if if I was playing it for real, I'd have to start back at the beginning of the level. And maybe part of maybe by playing two player, maybe that's also made it so that you feel like you've lost out on some of that replayability. Because if you were playing by yourself, I guarantee you would have died a hell of a lot more and had to start levels yeah. over again a lot more. Yeah. And I actually do see myself playing the game a single player, uh, single player playthrough. Yeah. That gets me to Donkey Kong Country Returns and how crappy the two-player is on that. It's not yeah, as fun. That's almost a game where we should just play it single player. Because <laughs> the Wii's been... It's almost all the games have been fun playing two-player, whereas because the PS3 doesn't really have great two-player no, sit on the same couch. Mm-hmm. Everything's moving towards Everything's online, online multiplayer. So it, it is fun to have a console that has newer, newer-ish games that we can play together right. on the same couch. Where but you're in the same screen and it's not the split screen that LEGO does. Donkey Kong's difficulty is just pretty high and it's hard. It actually is It's hard to time your jumps without jumping on top of each two other. People. And, yeah. I mean, I still am enjoying it, so I don't know if we'll actually abandon the two-player, but yep. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll just go to playing it together, one but time. one at a time. Yeah. So I think that's about all we got. I'm sure as mm-hmm. we continue to play the Wii, we'll have more impressions of it until we run out in about six months of games that we've <laughs> finished playing. Exactly. So well, the episode ended up being a, a little shorter than the last one. still pretty long, but a little shorter than the last one. Mm-hmm. So I think so. that's all we've got to talk about for Talking Geek Episode 2. We'd love to hear from you guys, any listeners out there. Questions, comments, feedback, if you want to argue with some of our opinions, please, we'd love to hear from you. And you can email us at talkinggeekpodcast at gmail.com. We're posted on iTunes now, so subscribe through iTunes. or Please, please rate us on iTunes, too. Yep. That would be really great to get some reviews out there. And you can also find us on FeedBurner, and we're also... Um, applying for Stitcher, yeah. Just so waiting, we're not just quite on Stitcher yet, but but we will be soon. So go ahead and rate us and send us feedback. All right, everyone. We'll see you next time for episode three. <laughs>